Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. All right. Good morning, everybody. Give us just a moment as we get some chairs uh, out here, and we're going to be interviewing uh, an organization called Love Life today. And uh, first of all, can I just say 10 a.m., awesome job. Y'all slamming with some overflow today. You're looking cute, looking good. Hopefully you had some coffee. Uh, welcome to City Lift Church. If you've never been here, first time here, we want to welcome you. Thank you for being a part uh, of today, and uh, we're excited. Uh, well, hey, church family, thank you so much. Uh, I, I just, you know, it's always such a humbling thing to be be a pastor, to be a spiritual leader, to be to be asked to try to try to figure out life and and the the chaos of the world, and to to move people toward Christ and Jesus. And and the last couple of weeks, we have we've had hard conversations. Uh, and I and I love church when it's cute and it's fun, it's encouraging. I, I like to motivate people. I want people to feel good. I want people to you know go for Jesus and go for life and get everything they want. And you know. And, and uh, so I, I, I love people. I also recognize as a pastor that there are times, and, and I've, I've said it like this, and I kind of landed on this, that healthy families can have hard conversations. Healthy families can have hard conversations. And, and part of being a Christ follower is being aware of not just what happens in my life, but what happens to my neighbor. And particularly when we talk other human beings, when we talk our neighbor, uh, there is a call on all of our lives as Christ followers to love our neighbor. And to begin to wrestle and to think, what, what notch am I going through, but what might my neighbor be going through? And last week when we talked uh, justice and racial reconciliation and we're looking at the pain of a community and how do we as Christ followers engage and love on people, uh, today is another hard conversation. Uh, how do we love on babies? How do we love the unborn? How do we love mothers and families? And while it is not the easiest thing to figure out, uh, I believe the Bible does say certain things and set certain parameters for us. And as Christ followers, as loving our neighbors, as being the children of God, uh, we want to have this conversation and help the world heal. That is part of our job is to bring the healing. We are called to be salt and light, and we are called to bring healing to a broken world. Amen. And so today, with the heart of that, uh, we're going we're gonna to have another hard conversation, uh, but it's going to be a beautiful conversation. To do that, would you welcome, we have Frank, Holly, and a, and a beautiful story from Anne. Would you put your hands together and welcome them today as they come to the stage? Um, we're excited to have them. Uh, Frank does a lot of the uh, PR. He's actually the first individual I connected with. Uh, and then Holly, her husband, they'll tell you more about that in just a moment. Go ahead, guys. Have a seat. Pick your best side. I'll take the other one. And, uh, and we'll, get, we'll get started today. So uh, first, let's, uh, Frank, we'll start with you because I, I picked sure. on you. We, we, we began our relationship first. Um, thank you for reaching out. Tell us a little bit about your family, yourself. I, you've pastored here in South Florida. So you've been around a while. Uh, so tell us just in a minute or so, give, give us the, the what's up on, on you, my man. Sure, so, sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, let me just say it's great to be here. Just excited to be among the people of God. Excited just because, Matt, you and I have now, we spent, what, a year getting to know each other. So we've talked, we've had coffee, we've hung out. And it's been just a blessing to hear what God is doing in and through your lives here. So thank you for having us. Thank you for allowing us to be with you guys today. Um, again, my name is Frank. Yes. 
so I've been a pastor here in South Florida at two different churches, two great churches here in South Florida for the last 11 years. And recently, a year and a half ago, two years ago, kind of made the transition with my wife and I. We have two kids from doing uh, gospel work in the building, so to speak, to doing gospel work outside in the street with moms and dads and families. Uh, so my sons just got married. One of my sons got married uh, a year ago. My daughter just graduated from college. So I've got kind of older kids, a few steps ahead of you, brother, but uh, just delighted to be a part of this. And, you know, I didn't grow up uh, Christian. I didn't grow up in a faith. So, you know, my life is done. I've, I've worked in corporate world. I've, I've done a lot of different things, came to faith later in life at the age of 30, didn't become a pastor till 40. And now at 50, I'm a missionary in the city. And it's really a delight of my heart to be able to kind of share the message of Christ, the message of hope, the message of help found in the local church with moms and dads and families that really need to hear the hope that's found in Jesus. So just grateful to be among you. Um, you know, anything else you want to hear about me? No, that's, that's kind of good. In a that's nutshell. good. That's a good nutshell. That's perfect. That's perfect. Um, let me let me pass the real quick intro to Holly here, real quick. Holly, uh, you got some of your lovely family here today. Uh, they also have twins, so we we understand the twin struggle. Nice connection there. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about you and your family, really quick, before we jump in today. So, so my husband and I have been married. This May will be 15 years. Um, we have four yeah. amazing children here on earth, one in heaven. We miscarried uh, right before the twins, so we always say we have five children. We're just we'll meet our little baby in heaven soon. Not too soon, but um, my husband, he's an entrepreneur. I was a stay-at-home mom, um, just raising my kids. Uh, I didn't grow up in the church either, so um, I know the grace of the Lord and salvation. I'm very grateful for that. Um, what brought me here, really, we attended a prayer walk, a Love Life prayer walk in Charlotte, North Carolina, where it began, um, 2016. And we were so broken by what we saw, well, the twins were actually with my husband and I that day that we went. They were one. And um, when we saw women walking into the clinic, realizing, understanding um, that the life in the womb is the same as the children we were carrying with us, it broke us. It broke my husband, actually, in an unexpected way. And so we came back to South Florida, and we said, well, what can we do? So we just started going to the clinics and praying. We never engaged with moms. Um, and that's really where it began until I met a mom outside of a clinic one day. I was just praying by myself in my car, and um, she ended up pulling up next to me. And so the Lord just kind of pricked my heart, speak to her. And from there, I realized this is in my backyard, and this was in 2020. And um, I couldn't invite her to church because all the churches were closed. And so... I realized I am the church, and what I can do for her is meet her for coffee and, and be there. So that really started this whole process for me of really taking my faith uh, and putting it into action. So it's just kind of how I got here. That's good. That's good. Real quick here, Frank, give us a quick nutshell in, in a minute or so here. Uh, what does the organization of Love Life do? We'll talk the organization first. Uh, give us a little what's up of what, what do you guys do. Sure. Well, one of the things that drew my wife and I uh, to Love Life um, from from really doing a lot of uh, gospel work, gospel talk. We celebrated the gospel, we sang the gospel, did all of those things. But one of the things that we saw in Love Life is uh, actually my 21-year-old, at that time she was 20, I think Mia was 20 at the time. Um, she's the one who actually got us uh, to see who Love Life was and brought us out there. And what drew my wife and I, that, that their heart is, they know they're not the answer. Love Life is not the answer. The church is the answer. 
The gospel is the answer to the hope and the help that the world needs. And seeing that activated by people loving on their neighbor and coming to the hurting and going and being in the place, meeting them at their point of pain, sharing with them the truth and hope that's found in Jesus, and then practical help. So uh, the other thing that drew me to love life is it, it's not just talking the talk. It's, it's walking the walk. Um, it's, it's not just saving the life of the baby as significant and important as that is. You saw in the video, um, which you were on, actually, you made a cameo yeah. in the corner there. Nice. 84, I think we're up to 84 babies now in South Florida that have been saved by God through the work of Love Life. That's incredible because we know that there's moms and dads and aunts and uncles and uh, you know, family members attached to that. But what drew us there is that Love Life, for example, commits with every mother that chooses life. Love Life commits to walk with that mom for two years. It's two years. And nobody's doing that. Yeah. That's nine months through the pregnancy and then an additional year. And what that looks like in very practical ways is we throw the mom and the family a baby shower before the baby's born. And then we give them the practical help that they need. They need resources. They need counseling. They need diapers. They need formula. They need all of those things. We don't have those things. But we have partnerships with great local pregnancy resource centers like Heartbeat of Miami in Dade County, Hope Women's Center in Broward, where we bring the moms there. We Uber them there. We follow them there. We take them there. We make sure that they get the resources they need. And then they need mentors. So we set them up with mentors from the church. And then we plug them into the church. So literally what Love Life does is we work in that uncomfortable space in between the abortion center and then the church and the resource center. And we shuttle moms and dads off the street to the church. And that, that is what I saw as being the most tangible expression of my faith that I've ever had. So right. that's kind of what drew us there, I mean, if that helps. That's good, that's beautiful. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Alia. So, Frank is right, on paper we walk with mom for two years, but I mean, it's not when the two years is over, we're done. There are relationships that are built that will last forever. So I've been walking with some of the moms that I mentor all, it, we're past two years, you know, we're already moving into that because that's like you, it's a heart connection. You go through the hard things together. So on paper, that's what it looks like. But really it's a, it's a, the Lord is in that relationship building. And so you make a friend for a lifetime. So, I mean, yeah. That's good. It's beautiful. Uh, several months ago, um, and Holly, I'm going to want to pitch some of this to you, to you here next. Several months ago, I, I preached a message, and and I was talking about how, you know, we, we live in a really interesting uh, country in a lot of ways, uh, and it's a lot of it is spiritual warfare. And I, if I could really move the body of Christ to continually look at human beings, we're going to get closer and closer to the heart of Christ. Uh, several months ago, I preached a message, and I landed theologically on what does it look like to love the mother and the child. Uh, if, if we are the body of Christ and we believe life begins in the womb, what does it look like to love that life? Even though they're unborn, we love that life. And then what does it look like to look at the family and, and love the family and to not be so moved by the arguments of culture, but to be moved rather by the heart of Christ? Um, and that's something I would love for us to just as a church body continue to wrestle with is what does Christ's heart bleed over and what, what might we want to go after. Uh, Holly, when I was at the event, one of the things that personally moved me, and so I could kind of speak to what they were just sharing right there, we're at the event and there was a mother that came up and she was holding her baby 
And then they kind of told her whole story. She was going to have an abortion and decided not to and decided to keep the child. And, uh, and Holly got invested and started investing in her life. And so they're mentoring, they're loving on, ministering to uh, practical resources, which is definitely a part of the gospel. Um, and when, th- when it came time for her to give her story in front of everybody, she handed the baby to Holly like she was handing the baby to a family member. And like the, the expressions on her face and the love she felt... And that moved me, like that, that impacted me. Um, and so Holly, I guess, I think this is something you're doing very, very right and well. How do we as the body of Christ begin to follow that example and, and love them both? Oh, gosh, um, so I'm gonna try not to cry, but thank you for that. When we first started Love Life, um, and I shared the story of the mom that I met outside the clinic, she chose life that day, by the way. Um, she did later miscarry, but that really encouraged us, like, we have to do this. So we were going out to the clinics. We invited, you know, uh, Frank's daughter Mia out. She's like family. She's like one of mine. Um, she's like, I tell her she's my adopted daughter or little sister, whichever. But we invited them out to the clinic, and um, a question was asked that day that we were out. We, we hadn't even started. We had no prayer walks. We, we didn't know. You know, we were just ramping up. And um, the question was asked to me of, what are you going to do when a mom chooses life? And I didn't have, we didn't have mentors trained. We didn't have any of that. We didn't even have relationships with the pregnancy resource centers that were already on the ground and all those things. But my response was, well, I would do whatever my, I would do if my sister called me and said, I'm in this situation, you know, and I, I'm stuck and I'm overwhelmed and um, which you would you do anything for family, you know? And so I kept that always in my mind of any time that any mom comes across our, our path, right? And she says yes to life. Even those that, that didn't end up choosing life that were on the fence, we still keep in touch with those moms um, because they need love. They need, you know, someone to say, you made this decision, but we're still going to walk with you anyways through restoration and healing from your abortion, which is really important to me. So it's just showing up um, for them as if they're a sister or a brother, because this is not just a woman's issue. This affects men as well. And so um, it's really important that men are mentored by other men also um, to stand in their rightful place. That's not my position, but we do have men that do that for the fathers and stuff. Um, so for me, it's, it's just showing up. Um, sometimes it can seem very inconvenient. Um, and sometimes I don't want to do it. I was kind of sharing with Matt. I feel like some people are called to ministry. I don't know that I was called to ministry. If I'm being honest, um, I'm obedient to the Lord because I want to walk in his ways and I trust him. And so when he brings, and and my relationship with the Lord has grown like exponentially just by saying yes. Um, And they're hard things sometimes, but those hard things show me the character of God because his heart is broken for these children and for these women um, that, you know, are kind of widows, especially if they're single moms in this situation, they've been abandoned, you know, in a sense. And so most of them do not want to get an abortion. They don't, um, they're broken that they're even considering it. And so they feel so alone. So the most important thing I could say is do is just show up in their life. 
um, even when it's kind of inconvenient sometimes, because you will be blessed, truly, truly, truly. Like, um, my, I've just been so blessed, and I see God more than ever I've ever seen in my life when I just show up, you know, to walk with a, a sister, so... It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Anne, thank you for being here this morning. Uh, can we just give it up for Anne, first of all? Public speaking is, this is a big step of faith for Anne this morning. This is not a, a professional public speaker, but this is a mother that was in a hard time and chose life. Um, and so we're going to hear a little bit of her story. So Anne and Holly, however you guys want to chime in and walk through this. But Anne, tell us a little bit about your story Holly filled me in a little bit, but if you wouldn't mind sharing with the people that process and that journey and, and where we are now. so. Well, thank you for having me here. Um, my story, um, to not make it long, I did go through a lot of um, turmoil before actually being pregnant with Hattie, um, Hadassah, it's my daughter's name. And um, when I found out that I was pregnant with her, I was separated from my husband. Um, I was terrified because I didn't, I, I specifically planned to not be a single mom. Mm. I was raised in church. I, you know, didn't have the boyfriends. I literally married my high school sweetheart, the first mm. boyfriend I ever had. Unfortunately, during that time, you know, we were not seeing eye to eye. I was pregnant. Um, and, you know, normally they say during pregnancy, the first three months, you have morning sickness. Well, uh, happened to be that I had every symptom in the book. Um, I was sick about 30 times a day, multiple hospitalizations, um, basically being separated. My husband stopped paying rent, stopped providing. So I was pregnant. I was abandoned. Um, I was very terrified, very sick. Um, to the point where I still remember the day that I sat in a living in my living room in the dark. Um, I didn't know that Hattie was a girl or a boy. Um, I hadn't felt her yet, so to me, it didn't she didn't feel real. And I had considered um, taking my life, which would take her as well. Happened to be that at that time, um, a car drove by in my neighborhood that was blasting music. And it was the song Gyra. I don't know if you guys know that song. And uh, that was the first time I felt the flutter. That was the first moment I felt her. And I said, I cannot do this. I cannot take her life. Um, I still continued with my issues. I had no job, no bank account, no money. Um, I basically had considered termination at that point. Even the doctors told me, you're very sick. You're losing a lot of weight. Um, it's messing, because I'm a type 1 diabetic, it's messing with your health. Um, you're basically dying. And the best thing to do is to terminate. I struggled immensely with that decision. Um, happened to be that at my church, they had Love Life come in, but I was sick at home, unable to go. So I had a friend later on when I told him, I feel like I'm just going to terminate. And he actually told me about Love Life. Um, he sent me all these pictures and information that Love Life presented to my church. Um, and I had just left the hospital when I said, you know what, let me email these people. I don't think they're going to respond. Literally within about a few hours is when Holly emailed back to have a, a conversation with me. 
from there, she told me that she would be able to help me. Again, I still didn't believe that because I'm so used to, I'm sure everyone's used to the uh, pro-life uh, people that they're there for the pregnancy and once the baby's born, they're gone. So I felt like, okay, I'm gonna be pushed to have this baby and then I'm still stuck. Um, throughout my pregnancy, I had the hyperemesis, the you know, uh, vomiting 30 times a day for the full eight months that I was pregnant. Um, I ended up also having an eye palsy where my left eye stopped working because of the pregnancy. And then the third trimester, I had preeclampsia. So I basically had every secular reason to terminate because at that point, my life was in shambles. I was sick. I felt like I was dying. Um, but Holly was very um, helpful. She spoke to me. She messaged me to see how I was doing. She connected me with a mentor. Um, I was unable to have the baby shower because she decided to be born before I could have the baby shower. Um, uh, that day is still, it's hard for me to remember because we almost lost her the day that she was born. Um, I remember that God had promised her to me in 2020. I had prayed about whether I should be a mom or not. I was still separated from my husband, and I felt it was impossible. The Lord gave me her name. I did not know if it was, I was gonna have a boy or a girl when I found out she was a girl. Um, that, beca that was her name, Hadassah. That's the Hebrew name of Queen Esther in the Bible. Um, and by God's grace, I was able to listen to the Lord's prompting when he kept telling me, go to the hospital. I didn't want to go. I wanted to get my maternity pictures. I was going to go get my hair done for the pictures. And it felt like somebody was squeezing my body just consistently. I checked my blood pressure, and it was through the roof. So I went straight to the hospital. They raced me into uh, the OR. They could not find her heartbeat. They, they basically thought they were just going to do an emergency C-section and pull out a dead baby. Um, by God's grace, she's alive. Um, you know, I, it took a long time for me to recover physically, emotionally. Um, I'm very grateful. Apart from the times when she's screaming and crying, which is very stressful, um, I look at her and I, I'm in love with her. And I struggled not just in the pregnancy, but even postpartum with postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, you know, still struggling to provide, you know, provide for her, but love life really still has been on top of me. When I say on top of me, I'm literally here. <laughs> you know, um, Holly comes and babysits her, will take her, as it is right now, her husband and, and daughter, I have my daughter somewhere. <laughs> you know, I see them as family. And that was one thing I was afraid that once Hattie was born, that they would just disappear. But no, they've been on top of me. Um, she has she with other churches, including Pastor Frank's church, have actually helped me with my rent. So I wasn't evicted um, last month. Um, it's still an ongoing process, but it's teaching me to trust the Lord that even if my spouse has abandoned us, um, I cannot rely, I do not rely on them to provide. I rely on the Lord to provide. So far he's provided the food, he's provided her formula, he's provided the ability for me to not be kicked out of my home, and I'm very grateful for them. Mm -hmm. Amen. 
give us her contact information. Let's give her a gift card. Okay, church? Let's, let's do that. Um, thank you for your story. It's beautiful. Uh, we have about three minutes, five minutes. We might go a little over today. It's always hard to go back to back. The time just keeps climbing. Um, how, how do local churches continue to help children and families? How do churches participate with you guys? You know, help, help us be the body of Christ. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Good question. That's, that's beautiful to hear. Um, thank you, Ian, again. Um, again, grateful that we get to sit before you just for a few minutes. But I, I just want to share some context because you saw the video. And, you know, Love Life, it's not just the prayer walks. The prayer walk that we do, literally, this is not a protest. It's not a picket. It's not a march of any kind. We do three things there. We pray, we walk, and we sing. Uh, your pastor's been a part of it, so he's seen that. These, this is what we do to engage the greatest organism on the face of the planet, to get the church to be the church in the world. That's how we mobilize the body of Christ in our city. And it's not just our city. As, as Holly alluded to earlier, Love Life exists in 14 cities around the country doing the very same thing, going to the local church, showing the local church this is the gospel opportunity in your city, that you can be a voice for those that don't have one, that you can be the help that people need, that you can be the picture of Jesus. This loving your neighbor, I mean, what a concept. That's, we, didn't, we didn't invent that. That is all throughout the Bible. Jesus reminds the religious leaders to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law, all of the prophets, everything we read in that book hangs on those two things. This is what we see as bringing the church to love our neighbor like never before, that we can be a force that God uses to not only save lives physically, but to save lives for eternity spiritually through the work of the gospel that Love Life does. Um, so that's what we see as bringing the church along. And one of the steps in that process is coming to see the brokenness in our city, coming to see the reality of the darkness that's all around us. I mean, we see the homelessness. We see certain things. Well, we go to the abortion center to sing, to pray, and so that we get to be the witness that they need to see. So we have missionaries that are there, sidewalk missionaries that are there every day. Those missionaries are there offering the hope of the gospel and the help of the church. Those missionaries come from the church. Those are mentors and, and all that comes from the church. So the next step in the process is having the church come and see the reality of our city and how we can be a voice for truth, a voice for hope, for the gospel, right in front of the, the, the lives of people, men and women that need to hear and see it. Um, what we say often at Love Life is we know where hurting and broken people go every day. And we don't have to look for it. We know where they are. So we bring the church right there to see and that they can love on those people, let those people see the reality that there's people that will care for them and love them. Um, so, you know, that's, that's yeah. how we engage the church in the work of the gospel. It's, it's not really not for love life. I mean, we got cool T-shirts and all of that, but it's, it's for the work of the gospel in your city, in the world around us. And we see the culture shifting from death to life. I mean, 84 babies is a big deal throughout the country. We've seen now uh, thousands. And in South Florida, we have 55 church partners. These are churches all across the denominational spectrum that stand for life. And they say, you know, we want to be, uh, be the voice for those that don't have a voice. We want to be the help and the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. 55 churches. And uh, two years ago, we had zero. And now over the last years, God has brought all of these ministries to say, hey, we, we just don't want to talk the talk. We want to walk the walk too. That's good. Holly, anything you'd like to say? Close as we close. Yeah, so with those 55 churches, what that 
looks like is when we have people who say, you know, the ministry is modeled after the book of Nehemiah. So in Nehemiah's day, the walls of Jerusalem were in ruins and broken down. So when he heard this, he, it moved him to prayer and repentance. So if you can sum up love life in one word, it's repentance. That's really what the ministry is centered on because we feel that the issue of abortion is not a political issue. It's a, this is a Christian issue because we as, as Christ followers um, should stand for life because God is for life. He is the maker of life. All life is created in his image, human beings. And so we take that responsibility very seriously to stand for justice and righteousness and defend uh, life. And so the way that we do that is to engage the church in that battle with us. So um, the ministry models, I hear, pray, go, connect. We have to hear about it first, which I'm grateful, you know, for you doing this because that says anyone here that the Lord's pricking your heart, you know, to say, okay, what can I do? We want to be that vehicle for you to do something. And just as Nehemiah heard it, he then prayed and fasted, and then he went to inspect the broken walls himself. So that is why we take the church on this prayer walk to take them to see it because many people may know someone or may find themselves um, with a position but until you go see it you you know it, it takes it out of a political context to a very right in front of you personal um, context and so that is our hope because you can't unsee just like what happened for me the moms that are crying that are broken you know or the moms that are stumbling out after she had her surgical um and she's very desperate you know the the conversations between the moms all of those things you can't unsee um and really quickly it says oh my gosh what can i do and so pretty much in everybody that that goes out um, finds themselves there or if they have had an abortion it prompts healing for them that's such a step in the direction for them to allow the Lord to forgive them and for them to start that healing process. But then Nehemiah went and saw, and then after that, they connected. So it was the merchant next to the blacksmith next to. So we believe everybody can find their place on the wall. We do feel like the broken walls of our city are the families today. And so we want to just engage the church to rebuild it together. So we always say everybody can do something. Someone doesn't have to sit in the seat as a mentor, but we have people who say, I can show up to a baby shower to be a body in the room for a mom who has no family or support and just love on her. We have some that say, well, I'm a hairdresser. I can fix her hair, you know, for her special baby shower day. Um, and then all different. Some say, yeah, put me on the sidewalk. I can call out to the mom and dad when they have the scheduled abortion because that's really that intersection between life or death. Um, everybody can do something. So our heart is just to put that opportunity in front of the body of Christ and let the Holy Spirit work. That's it. Mm. You know, no like pushy obligation. Just let the Holy Spirit work on your heart. It's good. It's beautiful. Would you guys do me a favor? Stretch out your hands toward Anne and let's pray for her as we close today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Anne. We bless her. God, we're moved by her story. We bless her little girl, Hadassah. And Father, right now in Jesus' name, we ask that you would continue to make a way God, that you would provide, that you would love, you would heal, you would restore. Father, your word says in Psalms that you've knit us together in our mother's womb, that you love us all from the very beginning. God, we thank you that you'll continue to bless and provide in Jesus' name.
Amen and amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.